the Son therefore shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 30th, 2011. And today we're just going to be uh, going back to just a current event Bible study, uh, kind of switching gears from week to week, doing some dedicated teachings, and then also wanting to keep you up with some of the uh, uh, most breaking major current events on the horizon. So the first, um, again, we're going to be talking like kind of a balance of current event issues, New World Order issues, uh, issues that relate to Christianity uh, today. Uh, some very interesting information, though. Uh, first one is entitled Internet, Egypt's Internet Kill Switch Coming to America. In response to widespread protests and mass unrest, the authoritarian Egyptian government has completely shut down the country's access to the Internet, eliminating the use of social networking websites, other effective tools of communication and organization, and effectively sealing Egypt off from the rest of the world. Now, I understand this information is a little bit dated um, by, you know, maybe four or five days at this point, but it's the concept of this information I'm wanting to relay, not so much trying to keep you up with every breaking current event, which obviously I can't do. You'd have to have some type of media outlet, alternative media outlet, if you're going to get honest information. But it's the concept of this that I'm really trying to get across here. So, going further, Internet Intelligence Authority... Renesis has confirmed that virtually all of Egypt's internet addresses are now unreachable worldwide. Approximately 3,500 individual, uh, they're called BGP routes, were withdrawn, leaving no valid paths by which the rest of the world can continue to exchange internet traffic with Egypt's service providers, the Renesis analysis states. Vodafone said in an emailed statement, quote, all mobile operators in Egypt have been instructed to suspend services in selected areas, under Egyptian legislation, the authorities have the right to issue such an order, and we are obliged to comply, is what Vodafone said. Prior to the complete shutdown, tweets and live mobile phone feeds from the Egyptian protests in the Suez and Cairo were coming up to the minute coverage. Were coming in, in up to the minute coverage. Links to photos on TwitPick, videos on YouTube, and postings on Facebook were aiding protesters organizing their movements. As the Electronic Freedom Foundation notes, quote, when protesters in Cairo's Tahir Square experienced an outage in cell phone data, nearby residents reportedly opened their Wi-Fi networks to allow protesters to get online. The Egyptian authorities could not stand for this. Following the revelation of an associated press footage showing a protester being shot dead in the streets, uh, as a result, the apparent, an, an apparent internet kill switch was then thrown. Qatar-based Al Jazeera channel put up the death toll at, and this is current now, I got this today, put the death toll at 150 and said that 4,000 people had been injured since the unprecedented mass protest against Mubarak's autocratic regime began on Tuesday. Uh, The action is unprecedented in Internet history. It is clearly the action of a desperate, tyrannical government. It's on its last legs. Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak's government is also reportedly arresting bloggers, attacking journalists, and rounding up anyone else the the regime sees as dissidents. Still, the Obama administration, which currently funnels $1.3 billion in military aid to the Egyptian government per year, refuses to contemn the Mubarak regime, and furthermore is looking to embrace the same exact internet control mechanism in America. 
So a lot of this is what we're going to start seeing now, I believe, on a global scale, country by country, um, as we're seeing here, and it's coming to America eventually. Indeed, Senator Joe Lieberman attempted to justify the draconian legislation that would provide President Obama with a figurative kill switch to shut down parts of uh, the Internet indefinitely. He cited the communist Chinese system of Internet policing as a model which America should move towards. Do you believe this guy? This Senator Joe Lieberman? He's citing China as a model of internet policing that we should um, move towards. In his quote, he said, Lieberman told uh, CNN's Candy Crowley, and I have a link you can click on here if you want to see it, he said, quote, Right now, China, the government, can disconnect parts of its internet in case of war, and we need to have that over here too, end of quote. Of course, the Chinese government routinely shuts down the already heavily filtered internet at any politically sensitive time, not to mention in case of war, as Lieberman claims. In other words, they'll just they'll start using any excuse, any and all excuses to shut down the internet uh, to uh, prevent you know information from exchanging hands there. Furthermore, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube are all permanently banned in China. News websites in China now require users to register their true identities in order to leave comments so that any dissident can be tracked and appropriately dealt with. I mean, you talk about 1984 Big Brother. You know, China is there. A truly frightening Orwellian reality, you may think, yet this exact move towards abolishing the Internet anonymity and creating the virtual ID is a key centerpiece of the U.S. government's cybersecurity agenda. The Protecting Cyberspace as a National Asset Act, which now includes removal of all judicial oversight, is still circulating and will be voted on later this year. All judicial, I mean, they're, they're above the law, in, a, in other words. Lieberman has stated that legislation should be made a top priority. The recent actions of the Egyptian government in the face of widespread public backlash and an ongoing stifling of free flow of information in China should provide a stark warning to Americans that such internet control mechanisms are the tools of oppressive authoritarian governments and have no place in a free society. And I give you a few more links here you can click on if you want to explore that uh, a little bit further there. And another related story uh, starts out by saying the Obama administration is developing a universal ID program that would watch, track, monitor, and potentially control your activities on the Internet. These, quote, trusted identities are being touted as a way to increase safety and security on the Internet and as ways to eliminate the need for dozens of different usernames and passwords. Well, a real easy way to eliminate that is just buy the program RoboForm. It's RoboForm. I've had it for years. And, I mean, it, it's... It will save all of your information you will frequently use to fill in whatever you want to fill in on a given, you know, if you're buying stuff on the internet or whatever. And it also saves every single one of your passwords. We don't need the government in order to give us some type of draconian program in order to do that, you know, when it's easily available. Right now, Obama uh, administration officials are trying to make it seem as non-threatening as possible. Well, sure, when, if you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, you're going to want to come in and make all of these legislations seem, you know, you're going to sugarcoat them, you're going to make them seem wonderful, and that's the way that they'll railroad a lot of these things through. 
They are insisting that it will not be mandatory. Total lie from the pit of hell. They are insisting that it would be impossible for hackers to steal the universal internet identities. Another total lie. They are insisting that none of our personal information will be gathered or used by federal agencies. Wow, that was a real big lie. Uh, but in light of how regularly the government has abused our liberties and freedoms in recent years in the name of security, should we really believe what they're saying about this new universal ID? Perhaps to assuage concerns about Big Brother, the Obama administration is proposing that the U.S. Commerce Department be the one to oversee these new universal identity, internet identities. In other words, as opposed to like maybe Homeland Security or a really overt draconian you know, U.S. governmental department. They're saying, oh, it's just the U.S. US Commerce Department. I mean, we can trust them, right? But how long do you think it would take for the Department of Homeland Security, along with several other government agencies, to get involved in administering these trusted identities? The potential for government abuse of such a system is absolutely staggering. As we have seen so many times over the past few years, when you give the government bureaucrats an inch, they often end up taking several miles. So what are some of the other potential problems with such a system? Well, by creating a, quote, master key to the Internet for each and every individual, if it is lost or stolen, you could literally lose everything you've worked for so hard for in a single day. Imagine what could happen if an evil hacker gained instant access to your bank account, your credit cards, your PayPal account, your email, your Facebook account, your Twitter account, your your eBay account, your Amazon account, your blogs, your websites, and everything else of importance on the Internet that belongs to you. Just imagine the damage that could be done. In addition, it would only be a matter of time before this universal Internet ID becomes a de facto national ID. See, they're trying to get us in that mode and that mindset of, okay, this, we want to move you to a national ID, which will eventually move to the mark of the beast, most likely. That will be the le- next, most likely, logical pro- progression. I don't say the national ID is the mark of the beast. I think it's the next, I think it's the, uh, right before the mark of the beast, but it is a step in that direction, most definitely. Uh, let's see here. In fact, it's not hard to imagine that, quote, in the name of security, Americans would soon be required to link the universal Internet ID to biometric information, meaning like iris scans, fingerprints, these types of things. Um, link the universal Internet ID to biometric information or to even link it to a microchip implant of some sort. Absolutely. You go to your computer, you have your little microchip in your hand, you wave it over some type of data processing scanner on the computer, and then it allows the computer to turn on. It knows it's you, in other words. That's the future of, really, that's the backbone of the New World Order. You know, he causes both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. That's the future, and that is going to be the coming backbone of the New World Order. And you take that mark, and you're damned to hell forever. There's no way out. That's what the Bible says. Okay, so don't take it. No, don't let anybody ever <laughs> tell you that you know you can take the mark of the beast and you know go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. So going further, of course, the new program is going to start out as voluntary. But how many times before has the government introduced voluntary programs that later become mandatory? In other words, you give them an inch, they take them take a mile. Once this universal internet ID is implemented, it is going to be a, it's just going to be a matter of time until many different federal agencies and significant and a significant percentage of large corporations begin demanding the people to start using it. Eventually, it would 
become extremely difficult to function on the internet without one. Once the point arrives, it would be a very small step to make it mandatory for everyone. Well, again, too, what it's going to also do is literally, if that were implemented, that is going to be truly the end of internet uh, freedom as far as internet. Uh, Any and all dissenting blogs and these types of things will just be policed out of existence. And it could happen very quickly. I mean, look at this thing in, in Egypt. Well, they shut the internet down overnight. They could literally flip, have some event like this happen in America, whether it's false flag terrorist event, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's, you know, earthquake, tornado, whatever, okay, the pandemic scenario, shut the internet down. And then at that point when the internet does come back online, then it's this system with this, with this specialized system that you've got to jump through 28 hoops in order to even get online. And any type of dissenting um, websites that are putting out alternative uh, information that would um, go against government propaganda, they wouldn't be allowed to exist. So that could come very quickly. And that's why I've said before, I mean... You know, I don't know if this is my last teaching or not, but it could be very easily. I mean, all it's going to take is one big horrific event. I think they've got a lot of this stuff already locked and loaded and ready to go. I mean, the Patriot Act and a lot of things that have been railroaded through after 9-11 in particular, um, they're all locked and loaded, ready to go, and it's just a matter of one really big, bad, cataclysmic type of event that could happen on several different levels, that you know, a lot of these draconian legislations would at that point kick in, and um, you know, you're not going to have access to the alternative uh, media uh, anymore. I don't know if shortwave will be viable at that point. They'll probably try to go after that after that, um, but um, they're going to try to make it like 1984, where there's just no way to get real information. And this is why you need to cling to the Word of God, cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And his righteousness, and just um, because there's going to come a day when alternative media and these types of news outlets are probably not going to be uh, viable, you're not going to have access to them anymore, and you want to make sure that your house is built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, so that when the winds come and the waves come, you're not going to be swept away. You know, and this is again why you don't want to put your faith or trust in any man. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. If you're putting your trust in like Alex Jones or this or that ministry or this or that person and, and you're, you're focused in on that, you're focused in on the wrong thing. You need to be focusing in on the word of God. Yes, it's good to stay educated. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. And we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices lest he get an advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 And, you know, these types of things. Uh, but it shouldn't be our main, main focus. And not only that, if you're getting your your main focus on this doom and gloom and dread, then you're getting your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's not faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it always comes back to the word of God. Faith is built by, you know, by the word of God, essentially. Hearing it, reading it, seeing it, quoting it, 
That's how you build your faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, it really does come back to the Word of God, no matter what particular current event we may get into on a given week, or the fact that I'm going to be up here again, or anyone else for that matter, it really boils back to um, being grounded in the Word of God, and, and building your faith, and um, uh, you know whatever the Lord's convicting you to do, uh, if you have the means to do it, you know, just be faithful. And, and if you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, what I generally tell people is, okay, get educated. And as much as you can get educated, I mean, don't make it an idol. Um, prepare, okay. Um, but pray and fast about issues if you're not sure. A lot of people ask me advice about this or that. And if it's a clear-cut biblical issue, I a lot of times can give them an answer. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. I could be giving them something or telling them something that could be contradictory to what God is telling them to do. In other words, it's not like some overt sin issue. It's like, okay, what do I do in this particular situation? Pray and fast. I want you to get your answers from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I. That's what my desire is for my listeners. Not from me, but from the Lord Jesus Christ or, and or his word. So, most of the time the answers are in the Bible, but sometimes things just aren't as clear cut. I mean, you know in a given situation. So, uh, let's go further. Future world currencies displayed at the G8 summit by Russian President Medvedev. Um, and pictured as a Russian President Medvedev holding up a sample coin showed it, showing a minted proof for a future world currency. Samples of the coin were given to all attendees at a G8 summit. I believe this was back in like June of last year. And I give you the picture. He's holding up this coin and it says... United Future World Currency. And then on the opposite side, it says Unity in Diversity. And um, it's got a, it's this world currency. And so they're definitely, there's a lot of things in the works to implement a one world currency. You know, and um, this is just a overt, um, pretty much in your face, Proof of that. And I show you the coins here. And there, there's going to be a 20-page PDF associated with this teaching for um, January 30th, 2011. I try to always give a PDF documentation for all my teachings so that you don't have to take my word for it. You can go up and there's typically a whole bunch of links you can click on or at least one link you can click to the main story to verify it. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Um, do your own homework. And... Um, that's why I always try to tell people. Samples of this coin were given to all attendees at the G8 Summit. The coin was designed by Belgian Luc, Luc Lysik, who designed one side of the Euro coins and are produced by the United Future World Currency. And I give you a link to their website. A group pushing the idea of a global currency. Russia, China, India have been seeking ways to displace the dollar as the world's dominant reserve currency. I keep hearing over and over and over again from all the financial prognosticators that the death of the dollar has officially really got into full swing. And through various things, you know, that they take the dollar off the world currency, the world's reserve currency, a lot of the things that China is doing in the Middle Eastern countries, um, bottom line, there's not uh, nothing back in our dollars anyway. They're just printed out of thin air. And um, that's what they're doing. And so you just cannot have an economy that's based off um, a monetary system where they print dollars or mint coins and essentially there's not nothing, there's no 
gold backing it in Fort Knox. And there hasn't been, there's been no precious metals backing our money essentially since 1968 when they took any and all vestiges of silver out of some of the coins they were using. We've been off the gold standard since 1933 and um, off the silver since essentially 1968. And really 1963 was when they started putting, uh, stopped minting uh, the, like the quarters and the dimes with 90% and half dollars with 90% silver. So, um, you know, it's, and then they were only using 40% silver uh, after that and in most of the other silver coins minted. So, you know, it's been a long time since we've had anything really back in the money, our money. So as a point, it, it just has to happen. The, the dollar, something has to give and it's all by design because they're trying to devalue and destroy the dollar so that they can have their solution, which is this one world currency. To get us into that mindset. When something happens in politics, it happens because someone is, or some group right now, planned it that way. The U.S. dollar is being systematically destroyed right now. And I give you a link to the video where you can watch, actually watch this President uh, Medvedev of Russia regarding this new world currency. Um, Medvedev is calling for the dollar to be no longer the world's reserve currency. He is calling for a mix of currencies to replace the dollar as a world currency. Joining Russia in pushing for an end of the dollar as a world reserve currency is China and India. With the World Bank having made its first bond in the Chinese yen, and with QE2 about ready to destroy the dollar as the Federal Reserve monetizes still more debt to create $60 billion out of thin air during the next coming year, with oil and gas prices expected to double in the coming year. And part of that uh, is not only the dollar devaluing, have you noticed the prices in the in the grocery store going up? I sure did last time I went. I mean, it was really apparent. Things had really went up a lot. And again, if something happens in like the grain reserves or whatever worldwide, you're not going to see that typically the next day at the grocery store. It's going to take time for that grain to get processed into products for those actual prices to start increasing. But, I mean, it is definitely, and gas is going up. Um, Lindsey Williams, you know, is saying that gas, oil is predicted to go to $150 to $200 a barrel based on his uh, inside information, and he's been very accurate in times past. The Baptist minister, Lindsey Williams. So, he's saying that it's slated to go up to $150 to $200 a barrel, which would be, you know, 4 to $5 gas, I believe, at least. Uh, not only that, if the dollar is continuing to devalue, um, even if gas was plentiful, which it is, but that's a whole other scam, um, the, the devaluing dollar is still going to drive the price up. Because as the dollar devalues, it takes more dollars to buy the same thing. Okay, so that's another reason that prices are, are slated to go up. Now, with this thing, at the, um, with the Suez Canal and Cairo and Egypt which is one of the main places that oil comes through, the Suez Canal, that could have uh, overnight impact on oil prices. Now, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but it could. And that was another reason I wanted to mention that at the start of the study there. So, uh, going further here, he's bringing up all these things. Um, creating billions out of thin air, oil and gas prices expecting to double in the coming year, with one in seven Americans being on food stamps. What does that mean? That means that one in seven Americans, and I've heard that it could be higher than that, is totally dependent on the government at that point. Pretty much. 
you know, for their for their food. Uh, and then also with the Pentagon and the military openly wargaming total financial collapse in martial law. In other words, they're preparing their wargaming scenarios, the Pentagon and the military, uh, in the next coming year for financial collapse in martial law. They're running all kind of drills to get ready for it because they know, I believe, what's on the horizon. This is the handwriting on the wall for anyone who fails to take prudent steps to prepare for the engineered crash of the dollar. They are going to wish that they had. And, um, you know, it's good to go to stores like, um, it really just to buy bulk, you know, go to stores and buy in bulk. I mean, you can even go to big lots in these types of stores. And I know everybody doesn't have a big lots, but, um, there's a lot of things that you can get in bulk still. Prices haven't went up yet. And there's, they've even got a lot of organic products at a lot of these stores where you can get them. And even stuff like organic cereal or organic, and I understand if somebody's on a low carb diet or something, I'm talking about survival here. I'm talking about just food you can have in the end times, um, staple products. And what you want to really try to do is get a variety of things. You don't want to just get one thing, like just get rice. If you do that, when the time comes, if you're in a position to eat that food, it's just a matter of time before you undergo what they call food fatigue. And I'm not making that term up, it's a real term. Where you just won't want to eat anymore. I mean, I understand, you know, you get hungry enough, you'll eat. There, there's a certain amount of truth behind that. But I'm talking about if you're just given the same thing day after day after day with no variety whatsoever. Um, if that's the only option you got, that's fine. But I'm just saying it is good if you have the option now uh, in order to kind of mixing things up. And I'm thinking the next teaching, I'm going to have some specifics on some of this. I found some really good YouTube videos up there. Uh, regarding making your own bread and, and buying in bulk and these types of things. You can go to health food stores too. And some of the bigger health food stores will have bins of organic grain or organic rice or whatever. And granted, you want to make sure you get protein as well to offset because you just don't want to be eating pure carbs. Um you know, with a little bit of uh, effort, you can actually buy all the ingredients to make your own organic bread. And organic bread, if made in, in a, uh, like if you mill it, and I'm going to give you the information on that. In a, I don't know if it'll be next week. It might be the week afterward. But if you mill it yourself or if you, you grind the, the uh, wheat berries yourself and these types of things, it is incredibly nutritious. The problem is, is the breads that they've got in the stores, even organic breads, a lot of the um, B vitamins and fat-soluble vitamins that were naturally occurring in the wheat berries have either degraded or they've been removed in order to prevent spoiling. Okay, But if you're actually making your own bread, grinding it and baking it right then and these types of things, it's way more nutritious. And, and it, is, it is a very nutritious thing, but it's something hardly anybody does. Um, that's a whole other different animal there if, if you're able to do something like that. And really, we're not talking a lot of expense here. I went out the other day and acquired all the products to do that. And, I mean, if, if you get a, a hand grinder, granted, it's not the most convenient thing, but worst case scenario, if you're in times and you are out of, and you don't have electricity, you're going to want something that you can hand crank. Um, you could make your own bread. You could, you know, have some rice stores. You could have... You can go out and get um, powdered eggs as a protein source. You can get um, powdered um, milk. And granted, try to get a better quality of milk if possible because the milk is very tainted for the most part in this country. 
Um, and you could do a whole study on milk, how tainted it is. So there are powdered versions of protein sources that you can get and have on hand. And then you also want a fat source. Okay? And there's some oils you can buy in bulk. Um, and um, But anyway, I, I don't want to go any further down that rabbit trail. There are internet videos, and I give you, I've given a lot of videos in other PDFs that show you how to do this, show you how to dehydrate food, show you how to do this and that. You can check some of the previous PDFs on um, my current event studies. Uh, but I will be giving some more in the near future, Lord willing, that will kind of guide you in that process. Not to say I'm the be-all, end-all. I'm just trying to point you in the right direction. I'm just trying to give you as much information so that you're armed in the future and... and um, with information. The Bible says that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge in Hosea 4, 6. And, and I don't want you to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. And um, let's go further here. Next article is President Enjoys Anti-American Piano Recital of My Motherland. With President, with China's President who? Uh, the President of America and his co-conspirators are surrendering not only the Pacific to China, but reducing our military to that of a third world nation, just when China is introducing carrier killer missiles and stealth fighters. He is also shipping jobs, industry, and businesses off to China. Note also that he has surrendered South America to China as well. So at a highly Trump, trumpeted state dinner for China's communist president, who, the progressive communist Islamist, President of America insults all Americans as he honors China's communist president Hu and China as they enjoy an anti-American piano rendition of the motherland, which is the Chinese, almost like the Chinese national anthem, in celebration of their accomplishments of, um, you know, destroying America. Not to say he's the only cause for this, but, you know, he's really getting the... He's really kicked it into high gear, the things they've done. I understand he's like a puppet on a string. He's just obeying orders. I understand that. Okay, But he is the tool which they're really implementing and ramping up this New World Order agenda. Chinese-born pianist Lang Lang, that's a catchy name, uh, gave a musical shout-out to America's hating patriots in his homeland when he played the White House steak dinner last week. It's not a steak dinner, it's a state dinner, just so you know. Anyway, during his performance, Lang twinkled the ivories with the famous anti-American propaganda tune, My Motherland, the theme song for the Chinese-made Korean war movie, Battle on Shang-Galang Mountain. Chinese President Hu, the guest of honor at the dinner, surely recognized the melody. The song has been a favorite anti-American propaganda tool for decades. Um, Lang apparently knew what he was playing. He, have, he totally did. He said, Lang Lang, the pianist, said, I think playing the tune at the White House banquet can help us, as Chinese people, feel extremely proud. He should have kept talking about extremely proud because, you know, we think the Americans are so stupid. A White House spokesman declined to comment on the, na- on the song selection, instead directing questions about Lang's performance to the national security staff, which was not available for comment, imagine that. The 1956 battle on Shang Mountain depicts Chinese troops pinned down under enemy fire on the mountain. I'm assuming it's under American enemy fire. Then reinforcements arrive, and the troops attack the U.S. soldiers, with the, who the Chinese refer to as jackals. The song Lang played in front of who, the President Obama, includes the verse, quote, When friends are here, there is fine wine. But if the jackal comes... What greets it is the hunting rifle. So jackals aren't even referred to as humans, they're referred to as it. 
And they're all destroyed. And they actually have the audacity and nerve to play this song at this state dinner with Obama and Lang Lang there. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than this. And the fact that Obama is all good with this, and obviously orchestrated this, I mean, it just shows you what side he's really on. I mean, look at where, you know, what he's doing. So much of this does have to, will ultimately have to do with China. Um, the destruction of America from within. I mean, every everything that... Um, I just took my daughter to a zoo this weekend. And at the end, I let her pick out this little ring. And she put it on. She was only wearing it for like a day. And, it, and it, her finger was like turning blue. And I'm like, what is that? And and we're like looking at it. And I look inside the ring. All made in China, of course. And then I realized, I didn't even think the thing was metal. I thought it was metal. And, and of course, you know, it turned her finger like blue. We were doing all this stuff to try to get it. Get it all. She still hasn't been able to get this stuff. I mean, there is such inferior garbage coming out of that that country, and I really believe, I, I, with their distaste and hatred and disdain for America, I really believe a lot of it is by design. They want to introduce inferior goods to the American jackal imperialists. I mean, they do. They're taught. It's a deep seated hatred. It's like the Middle East. And granted, I understand, as I've gotten in times past, we've done a lot on our end uh, from a governmental standpoint. And a lot of people may not be aware of of governmental things that we've done to other uh, countries, Middle East countries, third world countries, wherever, to actually instill this hatred. I'm not saying that their hatred isn't based off um, maybe some facts, maybe propaganda. Uh, There's probably a combination of things. But the fact remains is that, that hatred is there. Uh, Lang, who performed the state dinner music program that the White House billed as quintessentially American. Oh, you know, that's as American as apple pie. Playing the Chinese song, The Motherland, where they refer to how they're going to kill all the U.S. jackals. I mean, that's American as, as apple pie, 57 Chevys. And I mean, you know, what, what more could you ask for? Um, but... Lang, who was more blunt in a blog that he posted on, the, the, the uh, pianist said, playing the song praising China to the heads of the state from around the world seems to tell them that our China is formidable, that our Chinese people are united. I feel deeply honored and proud, Lang wrote, according to a report in Epoch Times. The anti-U.S. musical interlude at the White House touched off some patriotic chest-thumping on Chinese blogs. One, one blogger wrote, Those American folks very much enjoyed it, and we were totally infatuated with the, met, with the melody. The U.S. is truly stupid. End of quote. And that's how it must look. I mean, it really mean, what else, what other conclusion would you come to? Now, granted, there's a lot of people that were screaming about this, but did you see this on nightly news? I mean, I don't, I don't watch mainstream TV. I don't even have a way to watch it anymore. But... Um, you know, did you see this up on Nightly News? Very doubtful. Very doubtful. And and this should have been something that was really, uh, you know, I mean, unbelievable. I, what can you say? It's hard to even put it in words. Uh, let's go to the next article here. Welcome to 1984. Your papers, please. Driving from California. Th- this is really chilling. Driving from California to East Texas. My daughter and grandson were 90 miles into the Lone Star State. 
when traffic was stopped at a roadblock just outside the little town of Sierra Blanca. Drug-sniffing dogs worked down the line of cars. Under treatment for medical, a medical condition for which her California doctor prescribed medical marijuana, my daughter had a small amount in her luggage in the trunk. The dogs immediately sniffed it out. She showed the police her medical authorization, but the California law didn't apply in Texas. She made my grand, she and my grandson were arrested and taken to jail and put in a holding tank with a dozen or more men and women who had been arrested for the same crime. Man, there must be a lot of people smoking that medical marijuana stuff. And there, there's only one reason I know of that, well, maybe it's for pain control sometimes. But um, I also know they give it for glaucoma. And uh, I'll be honest, I mean, glaucoma is easy to fix. I'll tell you right now how to do it. I mean, great. I'm not going to tell you this is how you treat glaucoma. I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, um, I've seen this, people that had glaucoma, all, uh, all of a sudden they don't have it anymore. I'm not saying it's a treatment or a cure or anything. I'm just telling you I've had people that uh, took these two things and then all of a sudden they didn't have glaucoma anymore. Kind of a coincidence, but hey, I guess it's just a big coincidence. Anyway, the products are AC carbamide by standard process. AC carbamide by standard process. Uh, what it does is it decreases the osmotic pressure in the eye, which is essentially what glaucoma is. It's increased osmotic pressure in the eye itself, and what it does is it helps to decrease that naturally. And then also what you would want to do in conjunction with that is uh, sterile MSM eye drops. MSM stands for methyl sulfonide, and it's a organic sulfur. It's a byproduct of the wood pulp industry. It's completely safe. Just make sure you know you get a quality one. Rich distributing has a organic, not an organic, but a sterilized MSM eye drop. Oh, actually, you know what? They don't sell those anymore. Uh, just look up on the internet uh, sterile MSM eye drops. There's even ones with MSM and a little bit of silver in there, which is also extremely good for eye infections. Um, I've seen 50 part per million silver put in the eyes, knock out pink eye like you wouldn't believe. I mean, like short order. But I would only recommend the Invive silver if you're going to go that route on 50 part per million um, because it's um, made under GMP pharmaceutical grade manufacturing practices and you do not want to be putting dirty silver in the eyes, which is what a lot of companies make as inferior silver, ionic silver. Um, anyway, that's, if you want to know more about the uh, 50 part per million silver eye drops, go to dr- or just dr-johnson.com, dr-johnson.com. Anyway, you do the MSM eye drops and AC carbamide, glaucoma, usually will drop internal ocular eye pressure the same day you do it significantly. I've heard of six-pound drops um, in like an hour, going from like 24 uh, pounds to like 18 in the eye. So um, the pressure, I'm sorry, the way that they measure pressure. Anyway, so if anybody's smoking medical marijuana, <laughs> which I don't advise because uh, it is, I believe, a gateway for demonic entities to come in you. I've been around way too many people that have smoked that stuff over the years and uh, seen what's done to them, and I don't believe this is the way to go. Uh, anything that's mind-altering like that, obviously. And I don't care what anybody says, I've seen people get addicted to it. Um, anyway, 
not lately, but in my college days and growing up. But uh, anyway, so a few days later, singer Willie Nelson was arrested at the same checkpoint. My daughter was fined $550, and she got thrown in jail. Perhaps Willie got off just signing a few autographs. I don't know. A short time later, my grandson and I drove back to California. A dozen or so miles after crossing into California, we were suddenly funneled into another roadblock. So after they, when they were driving back, a dozen or so miles after crossing into California, and notice, it's usually they're making you wait until you're well into the state before they put up the roadblock. They're not going to want to do it right at the state line because somebody might get wise to it and start turning around. They don't want to go into the state. But if it's way into the state, chances are you're not going to be able to turn around here as easy. It says we were suddenly funneled into another roadblock. Only this time it was manned by half a dozen armed border patrol agents. We were asked for our state citizenship and then carefully scrutinized by an unsmiling officer who finally waved us through. An even more sobering surprise then awaited us. We were stopped at a second roadblock 20 miles later. And yet again, 15 miles after that. Three roadblocks between the California border and San Diego. And that's not even including the one they went in Texas. This country that we live in is absolutely 100% turning into a police state. When you start seeing roadblocks and you can't even drive without being stopped by the Gestapo, you are absolutely going into a Nazi-like... I mean, this is, this is what Nazi Germany did. Checkpoints, show me your papers... Never in six decades of driving in the United States had I experienced being stopped at even one checkpoint. And on this particular trip, she was stopped at four. But see, if, if people just go along with this stuff and just go, go in for it and don't make any kind of fuss about it, that sends an absolute green light to the Illuminati, to the New World Order boys, to the elite, whatever you want to call them, that... The sheeple people have been dumbed down enough and they're and they're they're spineless enough where we can just implement the next phase of our agenda. That's what it's sending, the message that it's sending to them. Um going further, my only prior experience was in Nicaragua in nineteen fifty six that when that country was under strong arm dictatorial rule. Every every few kilometers my companions and I were stopped by armed soldiers, questioned and then required to show passports. We were all grateful to be from the land of the free where such things couldn't happen. At least they thought so. The rise of checkpoints in America, as well as the indignities we suffer at the hands of airport transportation and administration agents, is merely outward evidence of a much deeper net being cast around individual liberty. According to a recent Washington Post investigative report, Top Secret America, a web of 3,984 federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies complete with technologies used on the battlefields of Iraq, Iraq and Afghanistan have been developed by the FBI. The process is constructing a database with names and personal information of thousands of U.S. citizens and residents whom any local police officer or fellow citizen might believe to be acting suspiciously. So it's all about building and compiling this database. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Janet Napolitano, who as governor of Arizona built one of the strongest state intelligence organizations to supposedly stop illegal immigration and drug importation, which is total garbage. I mean, they, they let them through. 
pay for the most part. I mean, we don't even secure our borders, and yet we've got all this draconian garbage going on on the roads. Wouldn't it make a lot more sense to actually secure the borders? No, no. We'll let them pour over so we can create the problem, and then we can give our draconian Nazi-like answer to the problem within the states, and then they can take away our rights. They'll let, they'll let the illegal aliens go on these checkpoints. They'll let them go. But the law-abiding American citizens, no, they're the ones that are going to be scrutinized. They're the ones that are going to end up in jail. So, um, uh, Napolitano has launched a See Something, Say Something campaign to encourage citizens to become little rat-think informants, is essentially what it boils down to. It started with traffic signs asking drivers entering the nation's capital for, quote, tear tips, and to, quote, report suspicious activity. Recently, she called on Walmart, Amtrak, major sporting uh, leagues, hotel chains, and metro riders to join the surveillance network, admitting that, quote, this represents a shift for our country. One can't help but reflect on George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984. Published in 1949, it is a nightmarish depiction of what life could be like if the repressive nature of government was extrapolated from the post-World War days into the future. Orwell's um, uh, precognition is unnerving. Cognitive scientist Steven Pinker tallied the similarities between Orwell's novel um, and, and today in his book, in his, not, in his 2003 book, The Blank Slate, which says the elements of that Orwellian nightmare are either proposed or already here. Government euphemisms, national identity cards, surveillance cameras on the streets and in the shopping malls, and drones, satellites in the sky, personal data on the internet, um, endless wars with shifting enemies, dossiers in government databanks, and an ever-increasing controls in the actions and statements of individual citizens. From checkpoints and electronic strip searches at airports, to your banker being forced to report suspicious suspicious deposits, to being locked up for not disclosing all of your assets to the IRS, the signs are clear. 1984 is here. Whether it's a war on drugs, illegal immigration, or terrorism, it's all a war on individual sovereignty. Winston, Winston Smith, the propagandist in Orwell's novel, rebels against Big Brother. His fate is arrest and torture. O'Brien, a member of the inner party, and the person in charge of torturing and converting Smith back into a docile slave, tells Smith about the future. He says, quote, If you want to picture the future, imagine a boot stamping on your face forever. End of quote. That's what he says in the 1984 movie. Um, Winston is tortured and barely able to speak, replies, you cannot create such a world. It is impossible to found a civilization based on fear and hatred and cruelty. There is something in the universe, some principle, some spirit that you will never overcome. As, as the novel ends, though, Winston Smith has given up hope of such a principle. I mean, that whole thing is such a downer. 1984, and I don't advise you watch the movie, okay? Um, I would say you'd want to stick more with the book, because the movie has some really inappropriate scenes that I had no clue was even there. But um, uh, you'd probably want to stick with the book. Anyway, everything um, in the... Uh, as the novel ends, Winston has given up such hope of such a principle and says, quote, everything was all right, or the movie ends by saying everything was all right. The struggle was finished. He had won the victory over himself. 
he loved Big Brother, end of quote. See, at the end, it's showing him staring into like this teleprompter screen of Big Brother's face and that he was saying, I love you. I mean, it was just like so sickening. And really, that movie offered, or I'm sure the book as well, zero, zero, zero hope of ever overcoming you know, and through Jesus Christ, we are more than overcomers. That movie, was, as far as I'm concerned, is still garbage. Yes, it is an accurate depiction of how Satan would want things to be, no doubt. And there's a lot of different things on the um, right now movie series and things like that that are very similar in their makeup. Uh, but the reality is, is the Lord Jesus Christ will overcome this present day world. And Satan will not win in the end. And it's just a matter of time. He is a defeated foe and that he will be defeated at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, but the thing is, this movie uh, with, with George Orwell in, in 1984, at the end, he's he resisted and resisted and resisted. Okay, They tortured and tortured and tortured the guy. And then finally, in the very end, he says, I love Big Brother. He had actually loved his torture. He had loved... The, the repressiveness, he, he was so mentally fried and brainwashed that he actually got to that point. Now, they were going to kill him. And I believe in the movie, his, he, he had a death sentence at the end. That's what they did to everybody. What they would do is trump up all the stuff about a given individual. Oh, he, he did this. And it was always you know some really perverted thing that he supposedly did. And the vast majority of the time, there was no truth in it at all. And, and they, in other words, the government had to try to demonize them as much as possible. And then the government would take that same individual, torture them, and I mean, the most mind, I mean, just horrific, heinous torture you can imagine, and to break the person. And then once he was finally broken and he'd fallen in love with Big Brother, then they would kill him, publicly execute him. So, see, it's, it's not something that I would even advise getting into. I mean, the concept of 1984, yes, it's good to be familiar with it. But it, it's, it's garbage, you know. It's garbage for a born-again, Bible-believing Christian to adopt that type of mindset. Because we are more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what you want to dwell on. You don't want to dwell on all the negative garbage you know, because Satan will try to, you know, get you in that mindset. Um, so, there are many today who have found their own peace through a love of Big Brother. It's not a real peace. It's a pathetic, um, it just goes to show you, the Bible talks about it, in, you know, in the end times, the love of many will wax cold. There are going to be many that are traitors, heady, high-minded you know, lovers of them own, uh, lovers of their own selves. They're, they're going to be disobedient to parents. They're going to be, but again, that word traitors is what I think about a lot here. Um, somebody that's going to go out and rat out their their neighbor uh, just for the sake of appeasing Big Brother, just for the sake of, of Big Brother's going to look at them. They're they're going to think Big Brother's going to look at them and say, "Oh, you've been a good little Nazi. You're safe. You're not safe." You're not safe. If Satan has his way, if, if, if Satan has his way and was allowed to do whatever he wanted to, there wouldn't be one man, woman, or child left on this planet. Why? Because we're created in God's image, and Satan can't stand that, and he would ultimately, if he had the power, which he doesn't, he would ultimately wipe out every vestige of humanity on the planet. But he can't. 
Because the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's ever seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and ever maketh intercession for his saints. So that's what we need to keep our eyes fixed on. But there are many today who have found their supposedly their own peace through the love of Big Brother. And you're going to see that multiply when you see all this garbage that Napolitano is implementing, to see something, say something, all the Nazi-like garbage that's being implemented at like Walmart and these types of places. And, um, you know, in your own way, whatever way you can resist that, I advise, advise you to do. I mean, I don't shop at Walmart, you know, or, or uh, you just need to try to resist this evil. Which is a biblical thing to do. It's, it's, it's sure not biblical just to go along with it and, and enable it and empower it. For those of us who believe in sovereignty, the spirit Smith believed in is still real. Individual sovereignty is the antithesis of totalitarian world, world of surveillance, roadblocks, and newspeak. There is a principle, a spirit that can't be overcome, that is, determ- that is the determination to live free. I hope it survives. Well, this is a guy, he's the chairman of the Sovereign Society, which is a, like a, Oh, they're like an organization that tries to enable people, empower people to, um, they advise them on privacy issues and if they're going to relocate to different countries and things like that. Okay, So it's written from an unsafe perspective, the way he's writing this. I want you to understand that. I'm going to try to give you the biblical way I would, I would want, you know, the biblical way that I think the Lord wants to look at things. Um, Luke, or I'm sorry, fulfilling Isaiah 61.1, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is after Jesus had come out of the 40 days and 40 nights fasting and had been tempted by the devil. And this is the first time he really preached after that. Uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And this is basically the way Jesus Christ kind of kicked off and started his ministry on planet Earth. I mean, the real beginnings of it here, okay? Been baptized by John the Baptist, goes in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted to the devil, comes out, overcomes that, and then he's here. And here's what Jesus Christ says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and this is fulfilling Isaiah 61.1, one of the many prophecies Jesus Christ fulfilled. In Luke 4.18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. So, see, he comes here to actually preach deliverance to the captives, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, whereas Satan comes to bind you up and make you prisoner. Okay, so there, you can just see the how the agendas are so different. Uh, next article here is a letter I got from um, Michelle Hyder of heraldoftruth.webs.com, and I give her email address or her website here. And she says, Hi, I'm trying to get the message out about a new video called, quote, Lord, save us from your followers. I saw this documentary last night on TBN. It is bashing all Christians who preach righteousness. This film portrays all of us, the ones that would preach righteousness, or clean living, I would imagine, the film portrays all of us as haters and racists. It even calls homosexuals our brothers and sisters. It was shocking. It pushes us toward a one-world system. All the stores across the country will be promoting and selling it. And guess where she saw the documentary? On TBN, Trinity Broadcasting. Good old Paul Crouch, that P- 
pedophile, or not pedophile, but that homosexual, and that was proven years ago. It was just all covered up, where he had that homosexual affair with his limousine driver, Lonnie Ford or whatever. Anyway, I've documented that in times past, but this is just all the more reason that you don't want anything to do with, I would say, the vast majority of Christian uh, television. Not saying all, but I'm saying the vast majority. Okay, TBN, you know, who's intricately related, I would imagine, with Sky Angel. And they're the big boys. And they're actually promoting this garbage. And I've heard him say those types of quotes. I've heard Benny Hinn say those types of quotes. People that come against their ministry and they point out all the unbiblical things they're doing. within the, And they don't want to hear it. They don't care. Their answer is, touch not God's anointed. You're not God's anointed. You are of your father, the devil, and of his lust, and of his works, you will do. You're nothing more than a deceiver and a liar and a wolves in sheep's clothing. You're nothing more than a hireling who has no true love for the sheep because the true shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. The vast majority of those TV evangelists, they, they don't they, they don't love their fault. Fo- they love their money. But they don't love their followers. They're just there. They're, they're put there. They're there for a reason. They have already sold out to Satan. They couldn't have got to that position unless they had done that. And again, I'm not saying every single one. But the vast majority, and their big 501c3 empires that they've built, and they live in these lavish houses, some of them have jets, all kind of fancy cars, you know, Joyce Meyer with her $23,000 toilet, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. I mean... Jesus Christ sure didn't live that way. The Son of Man have nowhere to even lay his head, the Bible said. But yet they're living it up. And they're laughing all the way to the bank. So the last thing they want is somebody using the Bible to point out all the unbiblical garbage that they're doing. But yet, the ministers should be the ones at the highest accountability levels. I mean, if they're the ones leading the flock, shouldn't they be held at the highest accountability well, no, not according to them. They want to be able to have their cake and eat it too. They don't want to be scrutinized or have anybody quoting Bible to them or pointing out all the unbiblical garbage they're doing. They want they don't want the spotlight on themselves. They they want to get it off themselves. It's just unbelievable. Now, I did a little research on this, and I guess it was first a book that they made into a movie. Because Dan Merchant is the author of the new book entitled Lord Save Us From Your Followers. Merchant's book, published by good old Thomas Nelson, is similar in nature to Dan Kimball's. And again, the Thomas Nelson's Zonder fan, you know, they've all, they've all sold out as far as I'm concerned. You know, they make the false Bible versions. They have all kind of ungodly garbage that they put out. Anything to make a buck. You know, anything to make a buck. Uh, Zoner fan, I mean, my word, I've done whole studies on them. They're owned by HarperCollins. HarperCollins is the same uh, company that makes the Satanic Bible. HarperCollins is owned by Rupert Murdoch, one of the most evil men on the planet. Guess where Rupert Murdoch goes to church? Rick Warren Saddleback Church. They're like two peas in a pod. Satan's servants. Serving Satan proudly. So, um, this book published by Thomas Nelson is similar in nature to Dan Kimball's They Like Jesus But Not the Church. The message in Merchant's book is basically that since the world doesn't like Christians, it must be the fault of Christians who spend too much time, quote, preaching the gospel as opposed to just listening and befriending unbelievers without trying to convert them. The subtitle on Merchant's book is, Why is the Gospel of Love Dividing America? Suggesting that a true gospel message would not be dividing, but rather than uniting. What a lie from the pit of hell. 
I'll tell you what the Bible says. Luke 12, 51 through 53, Jesus Christ himself said, Suppose ye that I come to give peace on the earth? I tell you nay, which means no, nay, but rather division. That's what Jesus Christ said. From, for from henceforth there shall be five and one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father. The mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's what Jesus Christ said. He came here to bring division. Why? Because it's better to be united in truth, or it's better to be united in truth than divided in um, error. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I'm sorry, it's better to be divided in truth than united in error. In other words, truth will divide you. And I have this over and over again, listeners emailing me and saying, oh man, I, you know, my family hates me now. My And a lot of times they're supposedly Christians, but they're lukewarm, usually every time. My family's disowned me. I mean, a lot of it's, the, the biggest thing that I've seen will cause this is when they just take a stand on, on Xmas. That's the big one, right there. How dare you not celebrate Saturnalia, our pagan holiday, in honor of the sun god Tammuz. How dare you? Which is really what it's about. It's Jesus Christ is not the reason for that season. Tammuz is the reason for the season. And I've done whole studies on this, proving this over and over again. But that one issue alone tends to um, divide families more than any other. Ishtar is another big one, Easter, and um, which is a pagan holiday as well, always has been. And you could go on and on and on. The King James issue can sometimes, but that's usually not one that will divide supposed Christians. And then the fact that they want to come out of their 501c3 apostate, lukewarm church. Not to say they all are, but I'm saying a lot of them are. But I get that all the time, and I'm like, well, this is what the Bible said is going to happen. You know, I mean, this is what, and and the thing is, is that's why I I think Jesus said, count the cost. You know, a man that goes to build a building thinks about what it's going to cost him in order to do it prior to building. I know I'm paraphrasing here, but this is called counting the cost. It's really a small price to pay in order to make Jesus Christ happy. Not to say that's the only thing you're going to do to make Jesus Christ happy, but I'm saying it is a step in the right direction, not celebrating pagan holidays and these types of things. Obviously a huge step in the right direction. So, um, okay, so let's get some more confirmation of this. John fifteen eighteen through 20, Jesus Christ speaking here again. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. It's normal to have the world hate us. They hated Jesus Christ. If, the, if we, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it is the mark of a Christian. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The world's supposed to hate us. And we're taught, like in the church, in the lukewarm churches, they're taught, oh no, we just we preach this gospel of tolerance and love and, and make sure that the world likes us so maybe they'll get converted. They're not going to get converted that way. They're not going to get, do you think they're ever going to have any conviction of personal sin at all? If you just preach this gospel of love? It's not going to happen. 
Um, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's straight from Jesus Christ. So, um, this film is just rank apostate heresy, is all it is. Damnable heresy, as the Bible would refer to it as. It's another gospel. And the Bible says clearly that, that if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that we, which we have heard, you know, in the Bible, let them be accursed. And then it says it again, let them be accursed. Uh, in a review I found about the movie, it said in, in the movie, and this is in the movie, Lord, save us from your followers. Filmmaker Dan Merchant travels the country in a white jumpsuit covered with contradictory bumper bumper stickers to elicit people's feelings about Jesus, the church, and Christians. I mean, what an idiot. This guy's in a white jumpsuit with bumper stickers all over it. The Bible says that, you know, let everything be done in decency and in order. And abstain from all appearance of evil. I mean, don't look like a fool. Well, this is how this guy's going out of his way to make himself look like a gigantic idiot, evidently. I don't know if he's thinking that's going to diffuse the people he's trying to approach or what. Dan interviews apostate Tony Campagnola, who quotes Augustine when he says, quote, The church is a whore, but she is my mother. End of quote. Yeah, the, the Catholic church is a whore. True, but it's not my mother. How the mother, the, the Catholic Church refers to itself as the mother of the Protestant, which is pretty much true because the Protestant Reformation came out of the Catholic Church. I'm not saying all Protestant churches are all apostate. Most of them are. But this is why I don't ever call myself a Protestant. I call myself a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. And back then, there were other groups that were separate from the Protestant Reformation, you know, before that and, and, and even after. And, and Baptists are part of that. Now, I'm not saying the Baptists are all perfect now either, okay? But um, the Anabaptists, as they referred to back then, the Waldensians and the Lombards and these types of people. And there's a really good book written about this, uh, written by Dr. Phil Stringer, entitled The Faithful Baptist Witness, which, to me, it's not a, a book about... He might think it is, but I don't. I'm, I'm looking at what is the actual truth of early church history. And it's a very good documentation of that, that, you know, which shows you that the true Christians did not really come out of the Protestant Reformation for the most part. Okay? Not to say there were none that didn't come out of that. Okay? I'm just saying there had been a separate line for, you know, uh, literally ever since Jesus Christ, starting with Jesus Christ and the disciples, that had not got into bed with Rome or with the Roman Catholic system. Okay, so it's a good book if you want to know more about that. He's a very good writer and a very good preacher as well. So, um, I, I know him too. He's a great guy. Um, let's go further here. So, this, Tony Campagnolo quotes Augustine when he says, The church is a whore, but she is my mother. Like, that should be justification. You know, well, it's the best I can do. She's a whore, but she's my mother. So oh, I gotta just kind of hang with it. And then for a long period of time, he reviles evangelicals, this is Tony Campagnolo, for taking moral stands on issues such as abortion and homosexuality. I guess we should all become pro-homosexual and pro-abortion in order to please this devil, Tony Campagnolo. 
Campolo, I'm sorry. I mean, this is absolute total insanity. Merchant finally ends up in a confession booth at a homosexual fair where he apologizes to homosexuals for how horribly the church has treated them, then apologizes for all the alleged sins of the church as well as his own sins. Can you imagine going to a homosexual gay fair and apologizing to all these flagrant gay people that are there? Oh, I bet you they ate that up. The lesbians and the the homosexuals and the transsexuals and the bisexuals that were there. I mean, these are some of the most wicked people on the planet. And they just love to see supposed Christians grovel to them. This is what they desire. They desire to shove their agenda down our throat and we're supposed to just take it and love it. That's That's what they want from us. They'll never get it from me. And they'll never get it from true born again Bible believing Christians. And they won't get it from God. Dan clearly believes in, quote, the gospel of love. And he clearly wants to talk with these people about Jesus. But it's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. It's really more the ascended master version Jesus that's coming. And I've talked about that at length in other teachings. It's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. It's the false Jesus. He doesn't seem to be concerned about whether the homosexuals accept Christ. But only is concerned that they know he loves them. He doesn't love them. He doesn't even understand the concept of love. You, if you love someone enough, you tell them the truth. You give them the truth. I mean, if somebody is going into the lake of fire in hell, ultimately, if that's their end, well, how is it love to give them a false gospel and reinforce that they are, they're on their way to heaven, give them this false hope, and they'll never, ever even have an opportunity or chance of getting saved. That's not love. That's hate. Going further, um, he just wants them to know he loves them and that Jesus loves them. What Dan has done, regrettably, is develop his own false gospel, taking both himself and his followers ultimately into hell and then the lake of fire. I was the one that inserted that last sentence. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop there, and we'll go to part two next. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's d-r-j-o-h-n-s-o-n at the letter i, the letter x, dot n-e-t-c-o-m dot com with the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.